Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. This is going to be part three of the mini-series, Navigating the Void. So part two, the mush, the void, the dark night of the soul, (laughs) the shadows, the depths, the grief was where I left off. And in my experience with the void, almost always when we start to come out of the mush, of the depths, of the feeling we're almost always inspired to take some action. There's always going to be some sense of inspiration because what's really happening is you're leaving a death portal, right? Like if I keep using this example of the caterpillar turning into a butterfly, like the caterpillar dies and is reborn as a butterfly. The phoenix dies in the flames and is reborn as a new bird. It's the same thing for us. We literally die to ourselves Certain parts of us die to ourselves within the void, the fires of the void, and we are reborn on the other side. And so this stage, what I'm going to speak on now, I call the unbecoming because in a sense, it is like you're embodying or becoming this new version of you that is being reborn, but it's, it's less of a becoming and more of an unbecoming the parts of you that are no longer aligned with where you're going an unbecoming of the parts of you that have died in the void. And this can also feel very uncomfortable, but it's a really important process because this part, if we don't take the action we feel inspired to take, because it can be scary, uncomfortable action, we're going to begin to feel very stuck and wonder why the void is lasting forever and we're never getting out of it. And a lot of people get stuck here. Because the action that you're going to be asked to take might require sacrifice. Well, honestly, most definitely require sacrifice. If not just a sacrifice of certain parts of us that we have been attached to, that were comfortable and that felt safe. Right? Like our identities feel really comfortable. We attach to them. We like to know who we are. But the unbecoming asks you to become comfortable with this concept of, I don't need to know who I am. I can let go of these parts of me because I don't need to have the clarity on who I am and who I am stepping into, what I am stepping into or where I'm going. I trust the process, right? Like the caterpillar blindly growing the wings and trusting that it's safe to leave the cocoon. Just blindly. That's kind of how I I think of it. And so this stage, if you want a visual of what I consider this stage to be, the unbecoming, it's the caterpillar has you know, grow in the wings inside of the cocoon and is opening up the cocoon and looking out and getting ready to leap. 
And the caterpillar has a choice or we have a choice. Do we stay where we are because it's so scary out there? We are someone we have never been before. We no longer know how to interact with the world as this new version of us. Every template we know for how to live life is suddenly gone. None of them work anymore. They don't fit. And so the question is, do we stay where we are, where we know what reality looks like, it's safe and comfortable? Or do we leap, trusting that these weird things on our back, called wings, are going to carry us, that we're going to figure out how to use them, that we're going to be guided, that we'll end, end up in the right place? There's a lot of unknown, a lot of fear. So this is the turning point. Do you stay or do you leap? Because the depth of the mush stage is really, we're in deep feeling. We're in the midst of really intense sensations moving through our bodies. And after this kind of release, because that's really what it is, we're releasing, we're purging a lot of heaviness we've been holding on to. After a deep emotional release, clarity always arises. Always. Right? We never find clarity by searching for it. We never find the answers by trying to find them. They come to us naturally when we make space. We create space by feeling, by moving through us what has been stuck within us. That gets the energy moving. It creates space for the clarity to actually find its way to the surface. So the question here is, when the clarity arises, do you listen to it? And I remember this happened to me last year when I was in the void, when I came out of it. And, you know, I had four months of serious stagnancy when I purposely stopped everything in my business, everything in my life when I was in the void. And when I came out of it, I hired a new mentor, redid my entire business, like scrapped everything and started from scratch. And it was the best thing I ever did for my business. And that was very, very, very difficult for me to do, to scrap everything I've worked on for three and a half years or so at that point. And to start from scratch, it was terrifying, but I did it. And it was, like I said, the best decision I ever made for my business at that point. But this time felt different because yes, of course, every time I I go through a death and rebirth, so does my business. My business is me. I don't have a normal business. I am my business. (laughs) So whatever I experience, so does my business, usually just right after. So My business is actually still in the process of coming into its rebirth phase. It also went through a death portal. But on the other side of this mush, when I was beginning to come out of it, the inspiration I got was more than just your business needs to change. It was, Kristen, every single aspect of your entire life is going to change. And you need to initiate it. Every single aspect of your entire life requires a sacrifice right now to get you where you're meant to be. I had that deep internal knowing and it was terrifying. And honestly, in the beginning, I ignored it. I said, this can't be right. There's no way. I have built such a good life for myself. Like I truly had my life really just like, I mean, it looked perfect on paper and it was a really magical life. And I was being asked to say goodbye to almost all of it and start from scratch in ways I never had before. It was terrifying and I was not willing to accept it. I remember I was walking on the beach one morning and I was like, ugh, like I just need a sign. Like I just need a sign of where to go next. Like I feel so lost and confused. And 
sometimes I like to do this. I like to receive messages from God through music. And so I'll put all my music on shuffle and listen to a song. And the first song that came on, lo and behold, was called California. I remember looking at that and just being like, no, this, this is a weird sign. Like this can't be right. Let me just try again. (laughs) I went to the next song and obviously of course that's not how things work, but I was so opposed to changing certain aspects of my life that I was literally ignoring signs that were right in front of my face. And I needed time to come to terms, I think, to be able to actually say, okay, God, I'm ready. Because the thing is, when you build a really magical life, or maybe there's just aspects of your life that are really magical, it's really scary to scrap it. Just like it was really scary to scrap my business that had done so well for me. Because it means you're having this blind faith that there's something better ahead. But the thing is, when you've never experienced, felt, tasted what something better could potentially feel like, it's impossible to imagine what that is. Because what was essentially happening is the past year up until that point when I was in the void had been hands down the best year of my life. And honestly, you probably heard me say this so many times and I might sound like a broken record because I say this every year, but every year has been the best year of my life. Every single year, which I think is just, I mean, also every year has been equally the most challenging year of my life. Every year I I stretch my capacity to hold more and regulate my nervous system. And each year I'm able to hold more in the challenges. I'm also able to hold more in my capacity to experience an even more deeply fulfilling, joyful, and loving, magical life. So it comes hand in hand. But yeah, it meant letting go of the best life I had ever created for myself. And I think a lot of people were like, will be like, here Kristen goes again, creating her dream life and scrapping it. <laughs> because this is something that I do. I follow my desires and my dreams no matter where they take me. And I leave them when they are no longer in alignment with me. I think a lot of people do this thing where they say, this is my dream, this is my desire. I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to make this happen. And then they make it happen. But then you might experience some kind of death and rebirth process or a void and suddenly you're not the same person. And your old dreams are no longer a match for who you are. But pride can sometimes keep us where we are. We say, wait, no, this was my lifelong dream. I finally made it happen. I need to stick with this. And then down the line, we suddenly find ourselves in a life that was a dream of an old version of us. And when you feel stuck or out of place or confused or like there's more to life, but you feel like you should be grateful for what you have because it was everything you ever wanted. But here's the thing, like our dreams are going to shift. Our desires are going to shift. The desires of our heart are meant for us, but they're not always meant for us for the reason that we think, right? We might desire so deeply one thing. Let's say, let me use an example from my life. I desired so deeply to have my life in Costa Rica. I thought it was going to be forever. I really did. And I followed that desire and I made it happen. And it felt so right. And I had the best experiences of my life. Met some of the most incredible people. But when we look at this from a divine perspective and I say, the desires of my heart are meant for me. Okay, then Kristen, why are you leaving these so-called desires of your heart? Were they not actually meant for you then? No, but this is such a human perspective to say the desire of living this location was meant for me. 
So it must be meant for me forever. It might have been meant for it might have been meant for me, but it might have been meant for me to maybe meet a certain person, maybe learn a certain lesson, to receive the medicine of that land in that time period that I needed to push me to where I was meant to be for the next chapter of my life. So yes, the desire of my heart to live in Costa Rica is absolutely meant for me. But I don't believe that meant for me means meant for forever. I think meant for me means there was something there that I was meant to experience. There was growth there that I was meant to attain. There were people there that I had soul contracts with that I was meant to come to completion with. There were lessons there that I was meant to learn. The land itself held deep medicine and healing for me that I was meant to experience. I think when we think about manifestation, oftentimes we think, okay, I just want to skip to the end. I want to manifest everything that's meant for me forever and then just be happy. But that's not always how things work. Sometimes we feel really pulled towards something and it feels really in alignment, whether it's a person, a place, a thing, an experience, a job, an identity, anything. And it is meant for us in that moment, but not always for the reasons that we believe it's meant for us. And there was this part of me that was like, no, this is forever. My life in Costa Rica is forever. I had built such a beautiful life. I had a huge community bigger than I've ever had. I've never felt so loved and well-liked and accepted and valued. And I was constantly in nature and adventuring. And it was a beautiful, beautiful life. And I can't say that I won't be back. But I had this this idea in my head that I was going to stay there forever. And I, my soul knew the truth the whole time. My soul knew it was temporary. But even when I got on the plane to California, because, all right, spoiler alert, I'm in California right now. I'm going to be giving more life updates later, either in this episode or the next. But when I got on the plane to California, I truly had convinced myself it was just for three weeks. I was going to come visit family and... You just have a little break and I only packed for a couple of weeks. Every single part of me truly believed consciously it was for three weeks. And the thing is, I needed to believe this lie because that's what it really was is I had kind of manipulated myself into believing it was only three weeks, even though I had the deeper knowing that it wasn't, that it was more permanent, that it would be longer before I was back. But the belief that it was only three weeks was like an anchor for me. Because I wasn't ready to come to terms with leaving forever. It's really difficult to come to terms with leaving something that has provided us with so much safety, love, joy, fulfillment, that has met so many of our needs, that has given us so much goodness in our lives. It's really, really, really difficult, more difficult than can be explained in words, I'm sure many of you know, to let go of something like that. And so in order to be okay with leaving, I had to hold on to this almost anchor, this, this belief that it's only for a few weeks. And holding on to that belief allowed me to like anchor into this new reality. It allowed me to actually start to make the choices, take the steps that started to change my life. So when I imagine this anchor, I imagine myself kind of just drowning in a sea like I'm in a, I'm in this turmoil this stormy sea and I'm just kind of deep down there and I'm lost in the depths of my emotions and my shadows and 
Someone sends this anchor down. They drop the anchor in. And this anchor is the belief that I can go to California for three weeks to reset. And I grab desperately onto that anchor and I let the anchor lift me out of the water up into the air where I can finally breathe and I feel safe. I'm no longer caught in that storm, that ocean. I don't feel lost anymore. Now, here's the thing about an anchor because an anchor story is something that might not be a soul level truth, but is something that can be supportive for us to hold on to, to get us kind of like that first step toward where we're meant to be. Now, when I arrived in California, after a few weeks, I started to feel into it and realized that I wasn't meant to go back. And I allowed myself the time and space I needed to come to terms with that. And eventually did. However, what can easily happen is we can hold on to this anchor and we hold on to it, we hold on to it, we say, no, it's only three weeks or whatever it might be for you. This story that you tell yourself, right? Like, I'm not actually going to leave him. We just need space. Or I'm not actually going to move here. I'm just going to check it out for a couple of weeks, or I'm not actually going to leave my job. I'm just going to, you know, play around with this business idea and see how it feels. I'm not actually going to hire this mentor. I'm just going to, you know, get in their space and, you know, listen to their work for a week or so. We tell ourselves these little, almost like white lies to let ourselves get that first foot into where we're actually meant to be when we're not ready to come to terms with the actual truth of what it would take to actually be all in. Either the sacrifice it would take or the fear of what we'd have to step into. But here's the problem. When we hold on to that anchor, when it is no longer serving us, it's going to get dropped back into the ocean right? That's what happens with anchors. Ships move from place to place and they drop the anchor again. The anchor is not going to stay in the air. So if you're holding on for it for dear life and you never jumped off onto land or onto the ship, you're going to get dropped back down into the ocean and feel even more lost than before because that anchor is going to take you deep. The anchor story or little almost lies we manipulate ourselves into believing aren't bad. They can really serve us, but they sabotage us when we refuse to let go of them. At some point, we have to leap. And so that's what happened. Held on to that anchor story for as long as I could, a couple of weeks. And then I finally left off. And so the anchor was kind of like this bridge in between me being able to come to terms with my soul's ultimate truth that I needed some time and space to come to terms with. But if I had stayed where I was, I would have just been lost in that sea. I would have drowned even more deeply. If I had tried to fully leap into this next chapter without easing myself into it, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it. I might've collapsed because letting this chapter of my life end, beginning this new chapter, everything I've had to let go of, everything I've experienced, all of the new beginnings and the endings, and I'll go more into it, but it's more than I've ever experienced at one time in my life. Right now, I'm really expanding my capacity to hold more than I've ever held, which I'm really, really proud of. Because when we expand our capacity to hold the depths of the challenges, we're also expanding our we're also expanding our capacity to hold the depths of joy, love, and miracles that we've never experienced before. 
But because I'm holding more than I ever have, I couldn't just leap into it. I needed that grace period. I needed that anchor. And you know, there were some signs along the way when I was in Costa Rica in my final couple of months before I left, I felt a desire to live in a new place. There were new things that I was starting to desire out of a home that my current home wasn't offering me and I could feel this new desire inside of me. So I began to kind of put feelers out for a new home. And every single time I found a perfect one, it fell through. I never even got to visit one. Every time I tried to schedule a showing or a viewing, someone else got it before I did. And this happened a few times and I got to the point where I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I'm just going to sit back. I'm not going to search anymore. And if something shows up, great. And if not, then it's not meant to be. I'm not going to force this. And the same thing kind of happened with land. I was intending to buy some land. I wanted to build a place of my own. Land kept showing up, but something would be wrong. It wasn't quite perfect. I finally thought I found the perfect plot of land, the right location, the right dimensions, the right price. It seemed almost too good to be true. And it fell through within a couple of weeks, very last minute. And it was very unexpected for it to fall through. And so both of my perfect housing options fell through. And I was confused because it was like, wait, why do I have this deep desire within me to settle? I have this deep desire to have a different kind of home. But every time I think I find it, it falls through. So what's going on, God? Why do you place this desire on my heart? But it's like you're hanging this dangling carrot. (laughs) But really, you know, closed doors are redirections. That's all they are. Sometimes we're unwilling to see the redirection because we're so attached to what we think the answer is, but every closed door is a redirection. So I said to myself, I'm not going to force the land. I'm not going to force the new home. I'm going to take a step back from taking any action at all to find anything. And I'm going to let whatever is meant to be find me and find me. It did in quite a different way than I was expecting and a different country than I was expecting. And I'm so grateful I didn't force because I could have forced an apartment. I could have continued to search. I could have just put offers out before other people had a chance to see places. I could have done everything I could to stop that land from falling through. I could have done it. I could have ended up with it, but I didn't want to force it. And now looking back, I'm so grateful because I had no idea that my life was about to completely change overnight. I had no idea that I wouldn't be living in that same country in just a few weeks when this was happening. This, these disappointments happened before I entered the void. So if there's something in your life that you really want and there's this desire on your heart, but it's not working, it's falling through. Are you taking that as a sign to try even more to bang on the door? That's not opening with a hammer until it breaks. Or do you choose to take a step back to call your power back home to yourself and to be with yourself and trust that the clarity, the answers, the desires, the manifestations, the solutions, they will find you when you're in clear alignment with yourself and your soul, which is what happened to me in a way that I would not have predicted. 
But these disappointments are like contractions, and the void was like one big contraction. I mean, if we compare this to birth, right? A woman has deeply painful contractions before giving birth. But the contraction might feel terrible, but it's a good sign. It means that the birth is coming. And it's the same thing with life. When we experience these disappointments, these closed doors, or these void, dark night of the soul experiences, it can feel really painful and heavy. It can even feel hopeless in moments. Like, why is nothing working out for me the way I want it to? What is going on? What am I doing wrong? But really, it's just a contraction. It means that the birth is coming. Life is literally sending you through a death and birth portal. You're being birthed into a new era of your life. One that is going to be fulfilling in ways that you are unable to imagine right now because you haven't experienced it. And so if you're in the contractions, you're experiencing contractions, doors closing, void experiences, disappointments, letdowns, failures, people leaving, people disappointing you, whatever it might be. These are just the contractions. That's it. Life is preparing you for the rebirth, which is something to look forward to, let me tell you. (laughs) But it's also going to require you to let go of whatever is still attaching you to your old life. And for me, the biggest thing here was the place. And there were lots of other pieces I let go of, right? My business is going through a complete scrapping and recreation process. Who I am is not the same, which I'll get more into. The people I'm allowing in my life, it's it's not the same. The place I'm living is not the same. The values and direction in my life is not the same. Everything was kind of scrapped and restarted. However, the biggest part, the most difficult part was the environment for me. But after the void, who I was was different. I suddenly had different inspirations, different values different desires that didn't exist before or that were not consciously available to me before. And I suddenly realized that my new desires and inspirations were not really aligned with where I was. My environment was not conducive to who I was becoming and or really who I was unbecoming and what I was wanting out of life. And if you're ever in an environment that is dictating to some extent who you are, You have to leave that environment to understand who you are not. Because you don't become who you are. You unbecome who you are not. Who you no longer are aligned with. And the version of myself who created that life in Costa Rica was no longer there. Like, she was long gone. That identity died in the void. And the parts of me that died, I mean, there were parts of me I realized that was so attached or that were so attached to the validation I received from being in this large community, from being so well-liked, so well-loved, so valued by everyone. And it had almost become this shadow of, I need to maintain this. I need to constantly be receiving this validation. I need everyone to continue to like me. I had also created a really social existence, which I loved for that time period of my life. I was always surrounded by friends, by people who loved me, who I loved. 
I mean, I, my house was in such a well-known area of town on a main road. Friends who were just passing to go in or out of town, in and out of town, would just stop and hang out for a little bit. My life was based on, I guess, the social aspect. My life was based around the people. And it was beautiful. It gave me exactly what I needed for that chapter of my life. I needed to have a chapter of my life where I really felt what it felt like to have such a large loving community to really feel like I was valued and I belonged and I was an important part of the community. I needed to experience that. If I had tried to skip this stage and jump to where I am now, right? My values right now are really, I want to be close to family. I want a partner and I want to build a family. And that is the only thing that matters right now. If I try to jump to where I am right now, a part of me would have still had the desire and the longing to have that community, to have that, that largely social aspect to my life. I think this was also something I never really experienced in my life because in school, I was never, I never really felt like I belonged. I was really shy, really awkward, never had a large friend group, always felt like an outsider. Most of my life, I felt like that. And so I think there was just this deep part of me, my inner teenager, my inner child. She needed to have that experience. And she did. She was fulfilled. And that experience brought me so much growth, so many lessons. I learned so much about myself, so much about what I want, so much about community, so much about love. It was such a beautiful experience and I have absolutely no regrets. But when I came out of the void and I had these new primary desires, my primary desires no longer fit into the life that I had built. And so when I say unbecoming, this was the unbecoming. Unbecoming all of these aspects of myself that I had embodied in this chapter of my life. The social girl, the one everyone knows and loves. Right? Everyone saw me as a good person. This was another big one. As I realized I had this attachment to this identity as the good girl, the nice girl, the one who supports and loves and helps everyone, the one you go to for advice, the one you go to for a good time, the one you go to for a good laugh, the loyal friend, the loyal everything. And suddenly I was having these these thoughts of, oh my gosh, but what would happen if one day I wasn't seen in that light? I realized that I was so attached to being seen as that good, nice, generous, giving person. And of course, that is an aspect of me that is true and real and exists. But we are all multidimensional and contain literally everything within us. Everything that we think we are, we are also the opposite. In every way that you believe you are good and kind and generous and nice, you are also selfish and mean and hardened and greedy. We contain everything within us. Nothing does not exist within us. We have the capacity to be everything. And so when we get too attached to one identity, or have to be seen in a certain light, 
we're essentially repressing the other true existing parts of us, which we consider to be unworthy or not good enough or unlovable. So I started to ask myself, wait, who am I? If I shed this layer of the good girl, the nice girl, the one that everyone likes, the one that everyone loves, who would I be then? Who would I be if I allowed people to misunderstand me? Who would I be if people actually thought bad things about me and I didn't do anything about it? Who would I be if I was the villain in other people's stories? Not everyone, but some. Because we all have an inner villain and an inner hero. But most of us hide our inner villain. But the truth is, you're going to be the villain in some people's stories. You also get to be the hero in some people's stories. You get to be all of it. Because when you begin to detach from one version of yourself, from one identity... And I'm just using this good girl as an example. There's so many examples. And I went through this experience with so many different identities in the past few months. Realized that I was attached to certain identities. And when you do this, you become more empowered in yourself because you become more whole. When you are willing to look at your inner villain and your inner hero and realize that both of them are equally worthy and lovable, then you no longer need to hide either of them. You no longer, or at least for me, I no longer needed to receive this validation or this praise or being that like quote unquote hero or the good person because I didn't need that validation to hide my inner villain. It's like the more we get attached to certain parts of our identities and we get attached to receiving validation for those parts of our identity identities because that validation helps us to feel confident that yeah, this is me. This is me. That other part, that's not me. That that villain that I sometimes hear, that's not me. No, because people, they see this and they love this in me. This is what's real. And we feel desperate for validation for parts of ourselves that we secretly know are not the full story. Because no part of ourselves ever can be. We are everything. But the thing is, when you repress parts of yourself, they're going to come out in moments when you don't have control over them. So when I began to kind of reintegrate these pieces in me and detach from these identities, so much started to shift in my reality, so much became clear. And well, here's the thing. People are going to adjust their perception of you to ensure that the stories in their heads about themselves make sense no matter what. People will make you the villain in order to avoid their inner villain, which we all have. And so I had to ask myself, am I okay with being the villain in someone else's head and other people's stories? And the answer was yes. If that means not abandoning myself, I am okay with being misunderstood. I don't need anyone to understand me, but me. I will not abandon myself to look like the hero in everyone else's story. I have no problem with being the villain in someone else's story. If that means that I'm following my truth. I have no problem with people misunderstanding me. If I am understanding myself. I also 
know that my inner villain exists and I'm not afraid of her. I love her and I've come to terms with her. And so I'm not triggered by other people believing that I'm a villain in their stories. I'm not triggered by not everyone believing the things about me that I used to need everyone to believe. Because this is what happened. When I realized this about this good girl identity and I detached myself, I let that part of me die. When I say I let that part of me die, I don't mean there's not a good girl aspect to me. I mean, I let the part of me die that was attached to that version of myself in order to feel worthy. And this was totally unconscious. We all have different identities we attach to and we'll say, oh no, that's just how I am. That's who I am. But no, that's not how or who we are. That's just a piece of how or who we are that we've attached to as our identity because in some way it keeps us safe or keeps our needs met in some way or another. Our needs to feel validated in a way that gives us permission to accept ourselves. So when I began to let go of that, let that part of me die, that needed that validation that was attached to that identity, allowed me to become more whole, I, of course, began to be misunderstood and, of course, was the villain in some other people's stories in the name of no longer abandoning myself. I actually, in the past few months, have become aware of, it's just been a, a trail of betrayals that I've become aware of. I started to become aware of figures in my life who I had deeply trusted, who I realized had been subtly using me, manipulating. Even some people had been covertly stealing money from me, people that I had trusted. These betrayals began to come to the surface. And it was really painful because these betrayals came in the form of three men that played big roles in my life who I trusted the most outside of maybe my father. And so I had betrayals in a romantic relationship in a friendship relationship and in a business relationship. And it was excruciating. But what was even more painful than realizing I'd been betrayed so deeply by people I trusted and loved and truly loved was looking at all of the ways, facing all of the ways that I had betrayed myself along the way to get there. When we are betrayed, we have always already betrayed ourselves first. I had to face all of the ways that I had ignored my intuition, let things slide because I loved them so much or, you know, just trusted them. I would use this almost excuse of no, but they love me and I trust them so much. You know, they must be right. And I would let my own inner truth kind of, I would push it away in the name of love and trusting these men in my life and believing that they only wanted the best for me. And also needing to be seen as that loyal partner in all three of these relationships. I so desperately wanted to be seen as that really, you know, good, nice, loyal partner in the romantic friendship and business relationships. I so desperately wanted to be seen as this generous, loving, giving person. 
that I betrayed myself and abandoned myself and my own intuition and what I knew was actually best for me. In the name of being seen in a certain light in these relationships. And so this was an unconscious thing mostly. So looking back, that's the most painful part of betrayal. Is yes, it's painful to be betrayed by to be betrayed by people we love. But it's even more painful to realize that we've betrayed ourselves first. We opened, or I opened, that path for them to betray me by setting that standard by first betraying myself over and over and over. I'm not saying it's my fault, and I would not ever want you to say that a betrayal is your fault. That's not my point here. That doesn't take away the fault of the people who manipulated or betrayed or stole or whatever it is exactly that they did. But it's also understanding that if we want to end the loop that we're in, whether it's betrayal or something else for you, we have to first look at the ways that we are treating ourselves. We have to first look at the ways that we are already abandoning, betraying our own soul, inner child, our own inner truth, God, intuition. It starts with us. We are not powerless to change our situations and our patterns of attraction and the people in our lives. And I also want to say that I don't believe that someone betraying, abandoning, or doing you wrong means that they didn't truly love or care about you. And this is just such a prime example why love is not enough. Loving someone or or someone loving you is not a good enough reason to keep them in your life. Because people will love you truly to the best of their ability. They will love you to the best of their ability. And they will still hurt you. And so we have to create a standard of what we are and are not okay with. And it's up to us to be courageous enough to walk away from people that we love who are not good for us. Who are not serving us. Who are not bringing us closer home to ourselves. Because I will continue to love and care about these people who did me wrong. Love doesn't just go away like that. And I also know that, you know, when when someone betrays you or abandons you, they've betrayed and abandoned themselves first. It really has nothing to do with you as a person. It comes from deep, deep, deep hurt. It's all they know. Most people don't actually want to be hurting people. But they don't have the capacity to get themselves out of the loops that they are in. And it's not our job to fix the people that we love. It's our job to love them exactly where and how they are. And sometimes in order order to do that, we have to walk away. So I can love these men in my life. They were important parts of my life. They brought so much goodness to my life but they cannot be in my life. I can still honor the love that I have for them and honor the love that they had for me. But the hurt they cause is real. It doesn't let them off the hook. And I'm still processing, and to be honest, I've gone through so many stages of processing it's been a roller coaster. I mean, the unbecoming after the void is no fucking joke. It's not. It's like, what are you letting go of? What's the sacrifice? 
And for me, it was, it was a place. It was relationships. Like I ended relationships I thought would last forever. I uncovered people in my life who I thought had my back. I uncovered manipulation, stealing, covert ways I was being used. Some of this was going on for months, some of it for years, without even realizing it. And I am by nature a very forgiving person. But what I've found that I've done in the past looking back is in the name of forgiveness, I've given people second, third, fourth chances who didn't deserve them, who continued to screw up the second, third, fourth, fifth times. And I would do this out of love. And I would use forgiveness to bypass my own internal truth because my own internal truth was so difficult for me to come to terms with. I didn't want to walk away from people that I loved, valued, and respected. People who cared about me. But after that void, it's like something switched inside of me. And I swear, like, if there's any Taylor Swift fans out here, this is for you. And if you're not, just tune out the next minute or two. But I'm in my reputation era. Like, I am just burning the bridges. I no longer care. I, like, burn the fucking bridge. I'm done. No one gets any more second chances in my life. There was actually one day I was in my car and I was listening to the song, We Can't Have Nice Things, but Taylor Swift, it came on shuffle. I never really listened to her Reputation album, although I'm a big Swifty. It never resonated with me, probably because a lot of my own internal rage and my inner warrior was repressed, so it didn't resonate. But I was listening to it and I felt all of this anger come up. Like I just suddenly got pissed. I was fucking angry about all of the people who have used me, used me for money, used me emotionally, used me in in so many different ways. I've uncovered so many betrayals in the past few months. It's been overwhelming. It's all been kind of just brought to the light. And I pulled over in a Barnes Noble parking lot and I parked and I screamed. I screamed until my voice was sore. My throat was sore and my voice was raspy. And then I cried uncontrollably shaking tears. Uh, Because as it usually does, the anger turned to grief. Almost always beneath rage or anger, we have deep grief and sadness. Anger is the part of us who knows that we were wronged, who knows it's not okay and we're worth more. And sadness is the part of us that feels heartbroken that that could have happened to us, who feels abandoned. And so both are very important to allow to be felt. And it's interesting because I had actually just the day before asked God to soften my heart because I was feeling so hardened every time I thought about any of these people. And actually at this point, I only knew about two of the betrayals. The third one I I didn't know about yet. And I asked God to soften my heart because I wanted to be able to forgive and move on and just forget and live my life. And the next day, my prayers were answered, but it didn't feel like my heart was softened. It felt like it was hardened, like there was a fire lit in my heart. Because in order for my heart to soften, for for forgiveness to be possible, I had to process how it actually felt. 
which was anger, rage. I was so angry. This was more anger than I've ever felt in one time in my entire life. And it was because I was reborn into this part of me that was more embodied in her worth. In certain areas where I didn't realize I had been repressing my own worthiness. You know, I used to be terrified of burning bridges. I would let people walk all over me, hide my true opinion, pretend to not hear my intuition. I would justify everything, just not have to say or do something that would jeopardize someone's perception of me as a good person. I think that we all have ways that we do this. When you get attached to an identity, you need to be seen a certain way. You will do anything in order to not jeopardize people's perception of you. And the moment you let that part of you die, when you reintegrate these parts of yourself, you are then going to be asked to feel everything that you have not felt your entire life in the name of holding on to that identity. So there were a this probably was a period of a few days where I would just be hit by random bouts of rage and I was doing a lot of screaming and crying. And after a few days, I suddenly noticed that my heart had softened when I thought about the first betrayal that I found out about the first man, the romantic one, I suddenly felt only sadness for him. The anger was gone. The bitterness was gone. The resentment was gone. I actually felt gratitude for the experience and everything that I had learned, the ways I had grown from it. I wouldn't change a thing from one of the most excruciatingly, just most heartbreaking experiences I've ever had. And overnight, it just, it was gone, the bitterness, the resentment. It was just empathy and sadness for him. No desire to be in contact or to have him part of my life. But it was genuine forgiveness, genuine love, genuine understanding, and genuine gratitude. And I think that people rush this process because you see in the spiritual world so much preaching about forgiveness. When you hold on to anger, it's just like you're, what, like drinking your own poison, whatever the quote is. But if you try to force forgiveness, it's just a band-aid that you're putting on top of your true valid emotions, your actual rage, your anger, your grief, your sadness, the pain. Until that is processed and felt, you will not be able to reach an embodied state of forgiveness. So be careful. If you ask God to soften your heart, don't be surprised if it feels like it was lit on fire first. If we don't allow ourselves this, letting go and forgiving cannot happen. Otherwise, forgiveness is simply at best another way to manage others' perceived perceptions of us and a gaslighting of ourselves. It's a facade and a way to bypass how we're really feeling. It cannot be forced. Right? It's another way to say, hey, look, I'm a good person. I'm the bigger person. I forgave. This is not affecting me. But if that's not truly embodied, it's just a band-aid. It's just a facade. It's just a way to manage others' perceptions of us or even our perception of our own self. It's not true embodied forgiveness. That cannot be forced. And so I think everyone needs to have that reputation era. I kept having this, this vision when I was in my car screaming. I was like, if I was a singer right now, I would be in my era of just being on stage dressed in black leather with fires burning around me screaming into a microphone. And you know, my next 
my next era would probably be me in a white dress singing ballads about forgiveness. But I'm not there yet and I'm not going to force myself to be there yet. I need to be fully present and actually enjoy the cathartic release of being able to scream on stage in leather with fire burning around me. And obviously I'm not a singer. You would not want to hear me screaming into a microphone. It would probably be torture for you. But this is how I was seeing it in my mind. Is that is simply the era I'm in. This is the chapter I'm in, whether it lasts a day, a week, a month, or a year. And I'm not going to force the next one. You cannot just skip to the chapter you want to be in. And so I was in this chapter of uncovering one by one, like all of these ways I had been used, manipulated. Really, any person who is not in full integrity in their relationship with me, that was all brought to the light in the past month. Not just in these three people, but in many, many ways. Any person I was allowing in my life who is not in full integrity, who is not acting out of unconditional love for me, doesn't mean they didn't have love for me, but who is not acting from that place of integrity, it was brought to the light. God was clearly showing me who was not serving me and my path to where I wanted to be. And I have just ruthlessly cut people off. And so right now, yeah, some bridges are burning. Some are healing. Some bridges, bridges were burned and rebuilt in a more beautiful way. Some were burnt and will not be rebuilt. But all emotions are being validated and felt fully. And I'm trusting what comes from that. And I'm sharing this with you kind of in real time because I'm still going through the processing of rage because of these three largest betrayals I'm speaking of. They've kind of happened in succession. There was one, then the next month another, then the next month another was uncovered. And so this is like a real-time process. I haven't gotten to forgiveness for all of them yet. I'm still in the rage. I'm still in my reputation era for some of them. And that's okay. I'm letting myself be there. I'm, I'm sharing this in real time to help you understand what moving through an emotional process really looks and feels like. What letting go really looks and feels like. Because we cannot create strong boundaries if we're not feeling the sensations which arise when someone crosses our boundaries. If lines are crossed and we realize a boundary is needed, but we don't allow ourselves to feel the full spectrum of the emotions, there is nothing to fuel the boundary. It's simply a wobbly line drawn across a piece of paper with a little pencil. It's easily smudged or erased or ignored. It's that raging fire that creates that motivation to create a strong boundary that is actually upheld. There is purpose behind our fire. Like, your rage is to you as fire is a dragon. It's healthy. It's useful. It's your power when expressed in safe containers, not when projected outward on others, right? A dragon projects its fire outward on others. It's just a killing machine. It's a monster. But when it uses that fire in safe containment, it can be powerful. It can create a safety. It can create a barrier. It can create boundaries. It can burn down old dangerous bridges so no one gets hurt on them. Same with our fire. When projected on others, it's no longer healthy or safe. It's not moving us forward. 
but when experienced in a safe container, it is extremely healthy, useful, and actually pushes us forward toward where we're meant to be, allows clarity to arise, helps the integration process. So I'm not out here screaming at people, sending paragraph messages to people who wronged me. I don't need them in my healing process. I'm screaming into pillows, <laughs> to be honest. Screaming into pillows and screaming in my car. No one else needs to be part of this process but me. And I realize that I am willing to burn bridges and end and lose relationships that once meant a lot to me in order to prioritize myself and my peace. And what I'm sharing with you is the emotional process of, you know, letting go. It's, I'm really imagining myself right now, any energetic or emotional or physical attachments I have to anything outside of me is, is being burnt to the ground. Attachments to people who are not in integrity, attachments to places, to things. It's all being burnt to the ground right now. And that means there's a lot of emotional processes to, to feel, to be present with, to get to a place of inner peace and clarity with where I am. And so it's been the same thing with me making that choice to leave Costa Rica or to not return right away to build my life where I am, which I'll share more about in the next episode. But there's also been a lot of grief of closing that chapter, a grief around all of the beautiful memories I'm leaving behind and the people and the place, grief of really saying goodbye to my old life, which will never be the same again. Because I'm stepping into something completely new and I can feel it. It is like nothing I've ever experienced before. I'm already blown away by what is unfolding in my reality. But what a beautiful thing to be able to feel this kind of grief and sadness for something that we're leaving behind. It means that there, were, there was a lot of magic and a lot of love. A lot of beautiful memories. How lucky am I to have something so difficult to say goodbye to in my life. I'm so grateful for all of the memories and experiences I had there and with the people there. And I know I'll be back, but it will never be the same as it was. My life is no longer there. I'm in a phase of closing chapters. In the past couple of months, you know, I, I went to Miami a few months ago, right before I stopped my podcast and I sold my BMW there that I bought in 2020, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it just felt like saying goodbye to that part of me. That part of me was who had bought that car. I'm not her anymore. I don't run my business the same way. I don't run my life the same way. It just kind of felt like the end of that chapter and I cried. It was sad. It was like attending her funeral, right? The death and rebirth. And I cleared all of my stuff out of Miami. I have nothing there anymore. At the same time, my life in North Carolina, I still had some stuff in storage. I had that cleared out. Suddenly felt inspired to do that after a few years. And I thought I was clearing this stuff out to go back to Costa Rica and really settle there, confirm that as my place until I went back there and realized that I was being called to leave. And so now I'm in the process of, I've just sold my car there. It's I'm, I'm now also ending all these relationships that I realized were not fully in integrity. I'm pulling my power back pulling any energetic ties back. I'm cutting them loose from anywhere else they were attached to. And so for the first time, my entire life will be in one place. 
I will not have obligations or attachments to any people, places, or things outside of where I am in the present moment. That has never been a real thing for me because I've been moving around. I have homes around the world, friends around the world, and I still do. But no more attachments. And right now, we're really in a phase of a lot of people are going through big life changes. And uh, I just... Like I said, I kind of, I knew the truth of what was happening in my life, but I was really scared of what God was requiring of me. And so I've been taking baby steps, but suddenly the baby steps became giant leaps. They were no longer baby steps because I'm no longer scared of what God is requiring of me. I faced the worst and I made it through. I faced betrayals I never thought were possible. I faced heartbreak and grief. And to a depth that I've never felt before, never thought I would have to. Said goodbye to people, places, chapters, things in my life that I thought were forever. There's been so many endings and beginnings that nothing can touch me anymore. I'm no longer scared of what God is requiring of me. I'm excited. I can handle it. And I think a really important piece, if you're being called to let go of something, which I'm sure you are if you're listening to this, right? What is that thing that you're scared to let go of, but you're, you know, you're being called to let go of because not letting go is tying you down where you are. When you let go of said thing, place, person, experience, idea, identity, it's really important to not spend the next chapter of your life looking for that place, person, thing, identity. Cause I've done this before. I've left the best periods of my life and I've spent the next chapter trying to rebuild what I love so much about the old place. And it's like a relationship. When you end a relationship, if you enter your next one or you enter the dating pool, trying to recreate what you had with that past person, it's going to end in disaster. You're going to get a second rate copy. You're not allowing yourself to expand into who and where you're meant to be, which is with someone completely different, a completely new experience, something better than you've ever experienced, something that will fulfill you in ways you didn't know possible. But if we're too busy trying to recreate what we had, we're not opening ourselves up to what God actually wants for us, which is something so much better. But sometimes we're so scared to let go of what we know is no longer for us because we're terrified that life can't get any better or that the ways that we're getting our needs met now, if we let go, we're not going to find a way for our needs to get met again. Or like, what if this is the best I could ever get? And if I let go of it, well, then I'm just screwed. These are all valid fears. But I'm willing to sacrifice everything and anything. If it means the potential of the most miraculous life possible waiting for me. Which means that I've let go of the idea that I need to look for what I left behind in my future life or my current life. And one note here, when I say that, you know, I am desiring this miraculous life, this extraordinary life, I don't mean that in the way that most of you are probably thinking that. The extraordinary miraculous life I want is found in the little things in the present moment. I don't mean that I want to be traveling the world all the time or experiencing consistent luxury experiences or it's just that that is Right now, what everyone thinks they want. It's all over Instagram. 
And I've been there, done that, and I can tell you, it's not going to bring you what you think you want. I realized that the most miraculous, extraordinary life is realizing that the miracles and the extraordinary, they're right here, right in front of you. They're in the little moments and you're missing out on them by searching for them out there. I'm not saying that you shouldn't travel or do those fun things. I, I love those things. I love traveling. I will always travel. But I want a simple life where I'm able to enjoy the miracles and the extraordinary little moments. And I've realized that searching externally for these things also separates us from God. So I'm no longer seeking. I'm just being and allowing. And wow, the, <laughs> the miracles that have showed up in my life in the past two weeks. This is getting long, so I'll create another episode with life updates and the final stage of this process, which is flying. Actually, two things I want to mention. One is, in the beginning stages of the unbecoming when I was beginning to take action and not feeling like myself anymore, I kept wondering, when am I going to feel like myself again? I just, I feel so weird. I don't feel like myself. And I got to a point where I realized, wait a second, Kristen, why would you ever want to feel like yourself again? You are not the same person. You're never going to feel like her again. And if you try to force yourself to feel like her, you're caging yourself in a box of who you have been. But who you are and what you are stepping into requires you to be someone else. Trying to grasp on to how you felt, who you've always been, is not going to serve you. So stop waiting to feel like yourself again. It's going to take time. When you grow these new wings, it's awkward at first. You don't know how to use them. You're not going to feel like yourself, of course. You're a more expanded version of yourself. After you go through the, the contractions, there's an expansion. You can't contract again back to where you were. You can't just tear off the wings. It's going to feel awkward and uncomfortable and that's okay. Stop trying to feel like yourself again. We try to feel like ourselves again because it's something that we know. When you come out of the like death portal and you're reborn as this new version of you, come out of the void, you're going to be someone that you don't know. Like I said before, there there is no template for who you are now. And this discomfort can be so overwhelming. It can be easy to try to grasp onto what we know, which is an old version of us. But I would invite you to sit with the discomfort of, am I okay with not knowing who I am? It can actually be exciting because that means I get to go find out. That could be anything and anyone. And the other thing I want to leave you with is, if you're not consistently meeting yourself at your edge, I would question whether you're actually in flow or you're simply simply comfortable with what is familiar in your life and convincing yourself that it's flow so you don't have to face the discomfort of what God is asking of you. A lot of people say, I'm in flow, I'm in ease, I'm waiting for everything to come to me. But this can just be a way to bypass what's actually on your heart, what God is actually asking of you. Attracting what you want with ease does not mean it's going to be easy. I attracted this chapter in my life, which I'll share more in the next episode, miraculously with ease. But there was so much challenge and difficulty along the way in meeting myself in my edge and speaking my truth and letting go and feeling all of the grief and the rage. 
all of that, it opened my heart in a capacity that's never been opened before. And it has also softened my heart. And I released a lot of what was hardening it. So don't allow yourself to manipulate you into staying where you are and calling up flow and ease. Are you meeting yourself at your edge? What truths of your heart are you ignoring? And what is God asking of you that you're too scared to, too scared to face? Maybe you just need an anchor like I did. So I'm going to leave it here. This is getting long. In my next episode, I'll share more about actually where I am, what my life looks like, what's been happening. So I've been sharing a lot of the depths and the challenges and the pain. Now I'm going to share what there is to look forward to in the rebirth, the beauty, the magic, the synchronicities, the miracles, the excitement, the flow, the ease, all of it. I've learned so much and I'm just, yeah, overwhelmingly content with where I am right now and so grateful for every single pain point along the way because it brought me to where I am. And with that said, if you want to come to Greece with me in spring, I believe there are only three spots left and when it's full, it's full. So if you're interested in that, uh, the registration link with all the info is in the show notes. You can also DM me on Instagram or send me an email. My Instagram is at pursuit of bliss with an underscore. I also have one one-on-one mentorship space available, a three-month mentorship container. If you feel called to working with me, uh, you'll know. I believe I have soul contracts with all of my clients. They're my soulmate. So if you feel like that's you, I can feel you already. Whoever is meant to be in this container with me, I can feel you. I feel your energy. I'm excited to meet you. So you can apply for one-on-one with the link in the show notes or just send me an email or a DM on Instagram. And we can chat and see if it's the right fit for you. And uh, I really do hope this episode served you. And uh, you'll be hearing from me in the next episode. Hope you have a magical day.